Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Toys on Tap. This week we bring on an incredible creator, Mondo. Fantastic toy artist and creator, now working with Super 7. I cannot wait to get this out. If you want to support the show, you can follow along on social media at Toys on Tap. If you want to support the show in a different way, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get podcasts. And if you want to join the Patreon, you can jump on. We'll send you a free gift. Now let's get back to this episode of Toys on Tap. Hey, I'm pumped that you're on Toys on Tap today. I don't know if you've heard um, any episodes or anything. We usually work with toy artists and uh, of all parts of the toy scene and bring them on, talk to them, figure out about their work, all the stuff that they do with toys. So I'm pumped that you're on because your life is toys. Absolutely. I'm pumped to be on. I have uh, checked out some recent podcasts. I'm I don't know why I'm not a podcast guy, but I, I love like listening to people like talk about their creative process and, and really like get into their craft. Yeah. So I just like have to be better about like putting them on, but, um, I did check out like, uh, last bastion, uh, Ragnar, um, yeah. cool Chris, them and, uh, Galaxor, the more recent one. Uh, just guys that I've been following for a long time now. So yeah, yeah. really enjoy Love it. both of them. Last Bastion, they have my longest episodes and they also have, I think three. So it's like, we've spent like eight hours together just on podcasting. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, let me see how much time I'll be able to fill here. So we'll see. We'll uh, see. We, Hopefully we I'll be entertaining. It. Yeah, we got it. So uh, before we do anything, before we start, Tell us who you are. Tell us what you do. Introduce yourself. All right. Hello, people out there. My name is Mondo Roque. I am a combination of formula of a whole lot of different things here. Creative, artist, designer, wrapped up in one. Um, mostly working in the toy industry. Uh, that's my central focus. I've uh, been at it now for over 16 years here um, and really have kind of had the opportunity to work on all types of different toys that probably anyone out there has interacted with from like low cost, like kids meal toys to collectibles to premium high end stuff. Or So it's the way I explain it, it's things that you've gotten for free or things that have cost you hundreds of dollars. I've had the opportunity <laughs> to touch every one of those things and all those categories in between. So um, really just kind of loving the toy industry, loving the opportunity to like play a role in it, a part with it, and especially coming back to like my childhood and spending time with developing things. So as a craft, as a designer, I always see myself as an artist first somehow. So, uh, and my main focus is 2D drawing, mm. art direction, creative, like the strategy behind things and, and how to like make a compelling consumer experience. Yeah, so much going on. That was probably the best intro we've had on here. Like you, <laughs> oh, awesome. That was okay. so solid. Yeah, I appreciate that. 
Uh, so we're going to do a couple things before we I want to hear about the 16 years in the toy scene, because you're working with companies that so I'm I'm only 32. So when I was 16 years old, there's a potential that you're working with companies that I'm seeing toys around. Um, and then you're working with some of our favorite companies now with Super 7 and all those things. But before we get there. Tell me about that childhood. Tell me about the toys that kind of built you, kind of grew you, things that you collected, had all those things. Yeah, definitely. So going back to my childhood days, man, did I love, um, I I just absolutely love toys. Just more than the TV, because I was always awful as a kid to really take the time to figure out like movie schedules. Yeah. Mom wouldn't buy the TV guide if you're familiar with that. So I had no idea like on air TV, what sort of things was. I could only like to it, tune in certain times a day. So I would always be on the toys in the toy aisle, the swap meets early on, didn't have a whole lot. So my first toys were really about like kids meal, really like happy meal toys. So I was really into those and swap me toys, um, which back then they're like literally the original uh, bootleg toys yep. that, <laughs> that were out there. <laughs> so I would buy, I would go there, I'd buy a He-Bad and be like excited or show it off to my friends. And he's like, and uh, we'd go at it. And then he's like, hey, wait a minute. Why does your He-Man have three eyes? It's like, what? The, they're supposed to be like that. That's yeah. the newest version of He-Man, don't you know? It's like, uh, because the Swami, like, I don't know, it was made in Mexico or something crazy like that. Yeah. And that He-Man, somebody just added that extra eye there for fun or not paying attention, whatever it might be. But um, early on as a child, I was inspired to be an artist by um, visuals. Robotech was like the first thing that I like looking way back in time like i just loved um all the visuals and um just the giant robots and the story and all that just the craziness around what that brand was and then from there it was like everything boys action toys from yeah gi joe he-man transformers um silver hawks uh TMNT, uh, geez, there's so many, uh, but like it would just expand out from there. That's like what I'd watch on TV. From there, it'd go out to like uh, in humanoids with the just the toys alone. Mm. Um, uh, Sectors were were was another one. Battle Beast. Yeah, I do everything. I'd like find a new toy. I'd be like, "What's this amazing thing?" And just find <laughs> like gravitate to that one unique thing about because all those '80s, '90s uh, toys just had that one gimmick to them, right? That yeah um, was gonna be the draw for that kid, and I just instantly connect with that and like, and then just like bring it into the world of all the other heroes and villains, and then just come up with my own storylines. Uh, there in my backyard heck yeah what's i love hearing about the swap meat toys um yes i've talked yes. about it on this with some other artists but it, like my favorite thing to collect right now is uh ninja turtle bootlegs from wherever oh right yeah and they are uh they're they're a mixture between the worst toys and the best toys ever made 
they just are so uh I, I don't know what the word is like so full of character but also so garbage yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and they're that fine yeah. yeah that that fine balance right especially when you're collecting right there's something about them you like they have the the craftsman's hand like that yeah. impression on it that's still there that there's just that if you're into goofy stuff or weird stuff yeah that just it's like yes i love how they just like screwed up the the deco on this guy's face or whatever it might be right absolutely i and to think that like man to be made fun of by friends or something for having that style toy and like wanting to hide it and then now i'm like i don't want the normal toy like i don't want ninja turtles i want the bootleg weird ones yeah totally <laughs> like the the tables have turned right yeah and now it's really about the more unique and different and even collectors nowadays you'll see it like where they're just sort of bored with what's on in the retail aisle right yeah they're like yeah yeah i got everything that's there already like i have a buddy that that stocks the shelves at target or whatever it might be that they're like they're looking for people to like buy test shots or like uh, like one-offs like maybe they screwed up deco and retail or whatever yeah. in the mass production or whatever it might be um they're just looking for that little extra something that makes them more special than that kind of mass produce piece right yeah which we don't find i mean i've seen shots of um like i've seen a from killer bootlegs who makes he works with super seven makes the phantom star killer incredible um i've seen one of his star killers that wasn't produced by super seven that came like upside down on the blister it, it like things like that are so rad yeah yeah definitely i have um back there in the mix of all this stuff. actually that one's pretty easy for me to find here um here's my killer bootlegs early and you kind of just have to oh, rattle it every now and then that's to get so the early to turn around but i never i don't really like take it out of the box i just kind of keep it in there because of that 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 kind of almost adds that extra level of like exclusive exclusivity or preciousness right to just like no it stays at this box like if I take yeah. it out, the arms are all loose and other stuff there. That's um, crazy old super, too, right? Super simple. This one, I don't remember when this one was done, but um, a fantastic just, package too. Yeah, it's a fun piece. It's a mixed parts um, five points uh, figure uh, that kind of blends that cool. Um, mix parts yeah slash five points right gets the best of both worlds in there together dang so before we go up to like when you started the professional stuff tell me about what you're collecting right now uh i know this is a podcast so they can't see it but you've got you've got some toys you've got some behind oh you. yeah yeah so... i have i have a problem <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I have a problem. There is absolutely so right behind me. There's no exact rhyme or reason. Um, obviously, um, I'm a big robot guy, so mm -hmm. I have plenty of Transformers more than what's here. Um, and I'm also I'm really into the 
eventually I got to the point where I'm like, well, I'm only collecting Optimus Prime or like I'm just working on combiners. So uh, that led into the giant figures. I love that Hasbro released all those tight ends. I got into those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just as I'm getting into tight ends, I have like um, the jumbo grade Gundams. And yeah. Old Shogun, Godzilla, and a couple other guys back there. But um, I just, um, there's something that about all different types of toys that I really just love to appreciate. So from those big guys, I have all kinds of little uh, Keshi figures and just solid little um, muscle type characters. I got a bunch of designer toys, tons of Super 7 stuff, of course big fan of all everything uh they've done and uh yeah just a wide um range of stuff i'm currently collecting it's tough like you like we were talking about earlier like wanting that uniqueness or kind of yeah that nostalgia right that uh we grew up with even with the new stuff they might take some old character and like revive it in a new figure format Mm -hmm. but sometimes you gotta just go way back to the original source so yeah a lot of my collecting has been with um just with the original figures a ton of tmnt stuff i've Mm -hmm. i've slowed that down recently just going (laughs) back and and uh just because i like would buy boxes like at auction and you just Mm -hmm. don't know what you're getting (laughs) you get this big box and every now and then you'd get like a cool figure you get um like a universal monsters TMNT figure, which is like ultra rare and exclusive. Um, like this ref here. Uh, yeah. Um, and other times you just get a bunch of just garbage toys that you're like, Oh crap. What am I going to do with this? I just spent X amount of dollars on this. <laughs> um, but now I'm like, I got a pile of these and I'm trying to figure out like, what am I going to do? Like, do I sell them? Yeah. Do I not like get a bunch of random? And this is like, there's a thing that was oh, an old yeah. Burger King figure. I got a bunch of McChangeables. It's just, you just sometimes you never know what you're going to get. I'm like, oh, these are cool. What do I do with them? This, this weird raptor whose head glows yeah. red, right? And makes uh, dino sounds that, I wasn't really into that stuff, but it's like, oh, he's cool. He's orange and blue, bright colors, lots of fun. So um really into that. <laughs> just things that just catch my eyes. Been looking at, at troll figures here, the uh, stone protectors. I saw that. Yeah. The, and the post yes. seemed so reluctant in the like in the writing like <laughs> yeah. it's time to yeah. start collecting these now <laughs> yeah exactly like what am i doing i just have a bunch of tmnt things i don't know what to do with and i have those and then uh, just resale just yeah. like everything i can so I'm just i like, have a full set of those there's i love them yeah i know they get, cowboys and mumesa they do get a a lot of I don't know. People complain, of course, just because they didn't look exactly like what was on screen. Yeah. But I totally get what they were doing with these here. And the styling is pretty similar, right? With um, 
to uh, TMNT with the kind of the squatted poses. Yeah, you can see all mine right here. Sculpted details. Right there. Yeah, you see the inspiration there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they they did produce ones that looked like it. Um, but I, I don't remember ever seeing those as a kid. The ones that you just held up, that squatted position, almost like Safubi style articulation too like bottom is one sides and head and so it's those the only ones i had as a kid so i didn't even know the other ones existed until recently yeah i think they they were like kids meal toys mm. the other ones yeah but these are like the bright the like weird mix match of colors at so all right because yeah. they're just like it, it Toy designing back then was like a wild, a, like a wild west where they just be like, kids love bright colors, yeah. make them bright. <laughs> and then you just get something with the stone warriors where they're yeah. all like, we interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have an engine failure. We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet. Oh my, we're doomed. <laughs> Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We're saved in DLV2! Limited edition custom artist-made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! DKE! Neon colored and bright and like these radical combinations of of yellows and pinks and purples that like uh, most companies now might think a little, think twice about doing like, what is that? Like, what are we going to do? Or it needs to be on model to the show. Like, Hey, we can't do that. I don't know what it is about the squat position of most of the toys where they have bent knees or like, um, I'm really into street sharks as well. They're down here in my case and they all have that like, really tiny lower body and like oh, all squatted yeah, down yeah, yeah. and it's such a weird position but you see that in um when uh, scott hensey's sculpting shredder and sculpting the foot people like there's just it starts then and then we just all through the 90s had these squatted characters unless they were massive oh yeah yeah totally well for tmnt the reason they did that was um, because of the packaging. Yeah. It was, so it was a workaround for the packaging, which, like, they're just like, hey, the packaging, it needs to be this size. These figures need to fit into uh, this uh, footprint. So that's how they got it. Uh, TMNT got that. So I imagine if that could have been a similar play with some of the other figures. Who knows? But yeah. TMNT for sure, like, that's how Splinter, uh, sorry, Shredder got that amazing, like, kind of reaching out cool pose that he did because they're yeah. like, well, he needs to be a tall guy, but uh, we want him to look menacing still. So, and he needs to fit in the package. Yeah. Which is cool. I'm glad they did it. Um, when you, like, we, I kind of want to fast forward a little bit to when we start your toy career. So, yeah. You said 16. So, there's a big gap there. But 16 years ago, you started working in the toy industry. That's like even that statement alone uh, is is so gratifying to hear that you started working in the thing that we all love. 
what was the beginning like? How did you start dipping your toes into it? What what did that look like? Wow. So the beginning was me kind of um I had I had a job that was just kind of a job mm -hmm. in the arts that was mostly focused on graphic art and design like the kind of the standard, the template of like, oh, you want to go to college or pursue arts for a career, try graphic design kind of deal there. And what I found about that is I absolutely hated that type of stuff. <laughs> the day-to-day -day grind of that stuff was not yeah. for me. Like I don't like hate on anyone for like following their passion into that. Uh, and there's a ton of amazing, great beads on, online about graphic design. Uh, and because those guys, man, those guys are warriors. They they get punished and, and are not appreciated for being like real craftsmen. Um, but I knew that wasn't for me. Um, I had a kind of corporate job and I was, I had a buddy that, um, that man, he's, he was a funny guy driving around in a Porsche at this like great sense of humor, having a good time all the time. I'm like, dude, what are you up to? What are you doing there? You're like, you're like uh, having such a good time. And he like, he's like, oh, I work at this uh, like creative house and we, we take on all kinds of like different creative projects. And mm -hmm. uh, like, we are like, we get to be like artists and I'm like, dude, that sounds amazing. I want to do that. And then like timing worked out and I they had an opening. Mm. And I'm like, I'm your guy. I went for it. I found out like I didn't have a whole lot of experience or any experience other than I knew I like was a creative person and wanted mm. to like uh, do that type of work. But I knew they really needed someone that was good at Adobe Illustrator. Um, <laughs> Like, so I went, in, I went at Adobe Illustrator. I like, was like, how could I master this tool in a way that yeah. um, they're just like, they're going to have to say yes to me. And I just learned how to like, really do like those super detailed um, Adobe Illustrator, mm -hmm. um, like illustrations. And I use that as kind of like a way to get in. And what this place was is like they took on every type of different like consumer product, mostly in toys. Uh, and the two major categories they worked in were for kids meal toys uh, domestically here in North America and internationally. And then also um, they worked with uh, just other retail toy companies coming up with toy inventions, which mm. is a really tough game. Uh, and I got in there. I got to design a lot of cool toys uh, domestically for Taco Bell was a big one. Yep. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So I did a ton of like in Taco Bell at this point, they wouldn't, they're just like, whatever, just bring us like cool ideas. So we'd come up with all kinds of wacky, uh, stupid toy ideas, yeah. come up with um, uh, vinyl was blowing up. Um, and and that became a thing and just really like tapping into like the designer art toy paper crafts different things that would inspire us we'd mm -hmm. start to like infuse into our kid into our kids meal toy ideas um as a just an opportunity to like represent what we're passionate about but also kind of really um 
really like spread to the masses all this fun stuff that we would like discover on our own yeah which is you did my favorite thing uh like you didn't say no you just learned really quickly to jump in and fill that spot yeah yeah absolutely and that's what i get asked with uh a lot of people ask like how did you get in it's like yeah you just have to be willing to do whatever they need and make sure that you could do it better than anyone else <laughs> or at least anyone that's applied there so yeah um so and and there's a lot of opportunity out there and um, the way you're able to kind of expose that is you go through a lot of discovery, right? You listen to podcasts, you go talk to friends, network, and uh, get out there and be a, become a part of the scene that you want to be a part of, right? Yeah. And um, and a lot of communities like um, like our toy community, collecting community, they're they're really friendly, welcoming, and <laughs> A lot yeah. of times we're just a bunch of nerds for toys and that's that's okay and we just accept that and then yeah. we just have a good time by the the latest releases or whatever it might be, right? Yeah, and I think that's the cool part about the community. Um very few, if any, issues and it's like everyone's just here because we're all trying to like hold on to that little piece of who we were when we were kids and <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome to see. Absolutely. Yeah, that nostalgia. Like, why am I so attracted to these oddly bright, weird things yeah. <laughs> that were <laughs> produced? Like, there's so many other cool things like out there now. But it's yeah. just like you just keep gravitating to those things that like kind of that you touched as a as a kid yeah. that were special to you and during those moments, right? I thought that your statement was going to be, why am I so old now? It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that too, that too. But we don't want to bring this uh, podcast down too much here. So. Yeah. Um, as you started uh, in this career, uh, as so every artist that comes on, we do this kind of, this backtrack through their Instagram. I, I got to dig through. I got to figure out who you are a little bit. And there's some things that I, I kind of want to talk to you about because they're pretty intense. I scrolled all the way back to the beginning. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, because wow. it's like... that was a lot of posts. It's like <laughs> a thousand plus now. Um, I want to fast forward a little bit from the moment in which you get into uh, the toy uh, scene, if you would call it. You had this long stint, and you can see it in your toy collection, these robots. You had this long stint of drawing these massive robots which then led into doing the wood style wall art, which I believe that's one behind you on your right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Voltron I did. Right. Tell me about all this. That way. Yeah. Um, geez. So I started with the handle. I'm like, okay, what am I going to make this IG yeah. handle years ago now? Um, and I'm like, well, I'm, I guess I'm most passionate about robots. So um, I looked up uh, different things and dreams of robots is what stuck. And then just um, just from there, I just started collecting a lot of toys like I did that were robot inspired. Mm -hmm. But then um, the thing, I don't know if, um, were you looking at sketchbook stuff or stuff that was like on my iPad? 
Um, it looked like both. It looked like you had okay. um, sketches that were mixed in with just dabbling. And then you yeah. had these like massive, um, it, uh, it could be iPad where you were just like knocking them out daily almost is what it seemed like. Yeah, the videos. Um, cool. So like I had constantly been drawing different like retro robots, giant yeah. robots or something about them, even with the Transformers. Like I'd gravitate towards the combiner figures, which are the whatever the turducken of Transformer, yeah. where there's multiple <laughs> robots that are combining to form that. Yeah. And and then through anime too, I'm a big anime fan with the Robotech and Gundam, and then just any other mecha style uh, anime. Um, with that, I just constantly gravitate to drawing robots. Something about the symmetry, and then adding asymmetry to that um is what's something that really i enjoyed in that um something with the sketchbooks i just love to just explore a lot with more of the traditional ones but when i got into the ipad i the thing that i love the most about ipads and procreate um i kind of recaptured the feeling of a sketchbook in my hands because i i like to like kind of grab like kind of almost arm wrestle yeah. bear hug my sketchbook and then just draw really tight and and uh, you're probably not supposed to draw that way uh, <laughs> but I just really there's something about that to kind of like dig into a couch and then just kind of draw yeah. away um, so I would just start posting like all kinds of robots that I would just make up completely out of my head uh, taking up different styles of like mecha, giant robot, like smaller, like mil maybe like military grade robots, things that um, are like 3A inspired, Ashley Wood, like kind of bramble bot looking things. Yeah. Uh, things that just like they don't look um, because of my style, like I naturally gravitate tape towards i don't know why um maybe it's a bit of ocd just like a ton of detail mm -hmm. um so i'm really into like drawing like circuit board style details and like joints and uh like cams and like different like motorized like uh, joints and things yeah. like that that are just so random that um i again just like going going back through my life and kind of the different experiences I've had maybe that mm -hmm. have allowed me to like have those things in my life and be like, Oh, that's cool. I, I, I memorize it. And then I go back and I draw it. And, mm. and um, because a lot of what as artists we're able to do is just like, we draw the first thing you start as an artist is drawing from life. So the more of those things that you have in your life and kind of impress in your memory, the better you become at drawing those things. So uh, that's kind of how that series of robots started. And the crazy part about it for me is that totally comes natural, which is pretty awesome. But like, I can't draw other stuff as great because of that, because I just naturally gravitate to drawing those things. Yeah. But I'm okay with that because I love drawing robots. So it's just lots of fun getting to draw robots and explore those worlds that I could create from those. Yeah. Well, and it's like they, they come out so clean and so nice and detailed and, and line work is incredible. Um, and then you start turning them into these wall 
what what I'm assuming is correct me if I'm wrong. Um, are these like laser gray or engraved wood planks almost, and then cut out? Yeah, which, and they're so sick. Yeah, definitely. So from there, I was um, yeah, I just continue to be inspired by like my childhood, and I mm -hmm. was like. I really love toys. I was working, I was working in like kids meal toys at the time. And I had an employer that was super cool and let me use like any of the equipment that we had on mm. hand. And I was, I was looking, I was just kind of doing my usual, whatever, uh, day to day stuff. And then I was thinking like trying to see these, like we had these industrial size, like 3D printers, they're pretty massive. They're kind of the size of a closet or, and then we had this other laser cutter that's kind of like a, kind of like the size of a standard, like folding table thing. So it's yeah. a big, huge thing. I'm like, how could I, as an artist, how could I use this thing as a tool? Yeah. And I was like, why not make, like, take something that I love, which is, um, I thought of the idea of 80s toys, uh, taking like eight like different characters of 80s toy brands and then turning them into these giant woodcut panel pieces. Again, taking a laser cutter, using it in a different way. Um, even though these are newer, this was like 10 years ago now. So mm -hmm. there wasn't as much laser cut wood stuff out there as there is today mm -hmm. but i i just like did some line work i i took the toys because that's what inspired me not like kind of what, what what you see on screen of those characters and then i cut them into these massive wood panels that you see on my instagram what you could see here in my office yeah um, they're like two foot so feet by three feet uh just massive panels of wood that um that I've sold quite a few of them already, but I'm not planning to do any more, but they're just so awesome that like they're hard to ship and all that stuff. And I debate, I go back and forth. I have factories like contact me, like, oh, we should partner. I'm like, oh, I don't know. We'll see. Because <laughs> you never I'm, know what yeah. those uh direct China factory partnerships, what they uh could turn into. Right. Um, good and bad, unfortunately. So yeah, that's just something that I I just kind of out of my own creative pursuits and 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 I do that a lot throughout my career. Mm -hmm. I have this like I have kind of this stable nine to five uh, toy industry job, mm -hmm. but then as an artist, I still have um, a kind of a passion inside me that I can't quell without having to make the stuff I want to make just yeah. for fun, just for the love of it. So I would still like do like random projects like throughout my career that were just personal fun projects that like as toy people in the toy industry, we're, we don't always do that because the nine to five ends up being so like soul sucking, even though it's like toys and fun, it's still like, I, I, sh I guess I shouldn't say soul sucking as energy sucking where you're just like, oh, I drew all week. I'm kind of tired. I'm done. I don't want to draw anymore. Like, I need a break. For me, it's like, no, I'm done with work today. I'm going to draw. I'm going to draw some more. And I'm going to keep going. And just, like, sometimes I'll find myself drawing, like, 
I'll start like drawing randomly throughout the yeah. night and like keep going until the next day for no reason whatsoever. No deadline, nothing, just because it's, I got to get this dry now. Yep. I'm going to lose it. It needs to happen. What's crazy is there is nothing in your brain or because I struggle with that a lot. Like if I'm making a toy or if I'm designing something that needs to be shipped off, there's nothing in my brain that says if you don't do this right now, it will be gone forever. But I work as if that is so true. Like I'll go through the entire night just because I want to finish the toy. And so it's pretty intense. Like I, I definitely understand that for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, when that um, creative inspiration hits, you just kind of roll with it, right? Yeah, so we continue your toy journey, we kind of move up to around 2020, when COVID breaks, and uh, a lot of people lost their jobs, and from what I understand, you were one of the ones that got laid off during that, correct? Um, uh, yeah. Okay, and, and there was this post that you made that was like you i rarely get teary-eyed about things but it was like so heartfelt about like <laughs> you like going from that and then going to this convention where you see super seven and wanting to work with super seven and now three years later this is where you're at so take me on that journey of 2020 seeing that and realizing this is where i want to head and how you got to working with Brian Flynn and his team and all that stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, 2020, um, yeah, mark kind of the end of my career at Spin Master. Spin mm -hmm. Master's a huge uh, retail toy company. They have a lot of investors and stakeholders, and they're just constantly like uh, really just like unfortunately like counting the numbers yeah. and like reworking things and all that stuff i had a great run with spin master uh and i had some really awesome toys that i had the opportunity to be a part of there so the toy industry is oddly super small so mm -hmm. it's always great to like um be able to like stay positive and really just appreciate everyone that you work with because for the most part everyone's really cool like regardless of uh, what happens like yeah. the uh what ends that kind of that run at that company or whatever it might be and uh for the most of 2020 i was um thursday night 7 p.m youtube live it's toys live toys live toys live there's way cool artist unboxing no accounts under a thousand followers what? art out there for 30 bucks or less collector spotlight Ooh, current and upcoming shows and drops Giveaways, short chats with artists, <laughs> news from the hood, 100% indie, all the time. That's Toys Live. Toys Live. Thursday nights, 7 p.m. PST, YouTube Live. Partly freelancing, partly kind of, kind of starting up like my own like personal projects because there wasn't like most companies weren't hiring. Uh, they weren't actually even like hiring freelancers. The, a lot of companies, they really didn't know what to do, right? It was a whole new territory for a lot of different people. Um, and uh, there was just like this odd waiting period. So like during that time, a lot of those robots that you see on Instagram were drawn. Yeah. Um, I, 
I took on a lot of different projects and clients uh, just in freelance, uh, which I, I, I love doing um, just because I've, I've had so much experience to be able to do that. I'm, like, I'm not phased. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you need this and that by when? Or like, oh, how can we do this? I don't understand. I'm like, oh, well, I've done that with this project here or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I did that and it's rewarding. I really like that. What I liked most part of that was getting to draw cool stuff and make stuff, right? Having really recreating for kids. I like for me personally, I always see toy design as not like, yeah, I made cool stuff. Um, but uh, really about crafting like this experience, right? Um, especially with nostalgia product, yeah. Uh, like recreating, like try to tap into that kind of that original feeling you had when you first like touched that character or the um, or that toy that yeah. that you really loved. Um, so like throughout that, um, like I just I continue to be a freelancer, independent, doing my own thing, coming up with my own designs and just uh, really enjoying that time. And then going to Toy Fair um, was always a really special time for me because uh, what's really cool if you've ever been to a Toy Fair is like uh, just really like hundreds, at least hundreds, if not like around the thousand mark of different toy companies are represented there in New York City mm -hmm. uh, at Javits Center. And you just get this like amazing um, perspective, hands-on of like all the different types of toys there are out there yeah, uh, in specialty and collector grade and mass, whatever it might be. Um, and it's just really, for me personally, a really inspiring time to see all the different types of toys and, um, and, and get to experience them firsthand. And then yeah. like, for me, I also get to talk to like clients and then just like, aside from just like the inspiration stuff, get to geek out as a collector, like, whoa, they're like, oh, super seven NECA and like a bunch of yeah. other different, um, like collector grade stuff that I'm really into and collecting, getting to like see like the latest drops or whatever it might be uh, firsthand there was really awesome. So like I, I got to like close to the end of the year there. Um, and then really actually, sorry, Toy Fair was right before mm -hmm. COVID hitting. So I was, I was there and I was like, wow, like, wow, this is so cool. This is awesome. Super 7 was actually, um, they were based, all their design work, everything was done in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I'm a SoCal guy with a family. So I was like, uh, like, I really love yeah. your stuff, but there's no way I'd ever be able to afford to live up there because uh, the toy industry is pretty awesome, but you work there because of your passion, yes. not always to become a millionaire or anything yeah. like that. So uh, you don't get necessarily just because you're in that area, you get more necessarily yeah. like you get a bump, but it's not like enough. Uh, so I'm like, ah, oh, there's probably no way ever that I'll ever get to work with them or whatever. But I got to like check out their stuff and then just kind of walked away from that. And then uh, like randomly, of course, through the COVID really changed the way um, a lot of companies do things. Mm -hmm. And that also changed uh, the way Super 7 approached their business. And they pretty much opened up to 
having people work remotely. And that's that was my opportunity. I answered like an ad for, uh, this is another thing. Sometimes you could answer ads that are like kind of what you do, but not as much. Like, yeah. oh, you can do that, but you really want to do something else. And that caught their eye. Uh, it wasn't necessarily for a design role, but I caught their eye because of like, I could do that stuff that they mm -hmm. were asking, but they're like, oh, but we also need a lot of help with our design work. And they had seen all the cool stuff, like my woodcuts and other projects that I was doing at the time. And I had always been a fan. So it just like was a natural fit to be able to go on there uh, on their team, work remotely still and get to like, really just uh, lead the way with all the retro brands, all the, a ton of voice action brands yeah. for them. Transformers, TMNT, um, and then working on a lot of uh, the different categories, Ultimate, Super, um, the Super Cyborgs, the Shoguns as well. A lot of kind of their more like premium figure formats there. Uh, and it was amazing. I was like hitting all the bucket lists uh, check marks with all yeah. the different brands I was working on at all the different scales as well. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really awesome to have that experience. It just out of nowhere, it's like as something that seemed impossible. A lot of times we're like, Oh, there's no way as artists, I think we get down on ourselves and, and be like, Oh, there's no way I'll ever get this thing. It's like, feels like a dream job and it's completely impossible. Yeah. And I definitely want to say, like, no, it's not. Like, you have no idea. Like, who would have ever thought in the year 2020, I'd be designing new, like, Transformers figures that look like what yeah. I saw on TV as a kid, right? So that's that's the thing that, um, that we really have to kind of, as, as artists, I feel like we get down on ourselves and be like, ah, oh, no, it's impossible. It's like, no, it's not. Like you really, it really can be possible. And a lot of these things, all of these projects become possible because there's people that are like, like Super 7. It's like, hey, they didn't make it when we were a kid. So now we're making it, right? Yeah. And that like applies to so many other creators from Super 7 expanding out to like a ton of independent artists and uh, and other like premium collector grade companies that sell that type of product. They're like they're going back and they're making it and it's and it's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think that you hold two really rad memories one seeing those toys on the shelf or playing with those toys as a kid and your second memory is now designing some of these same toys and uh that's a cool thing to be able to like cross off the bucket list or cross off the list of life yeah absolutely because it's like uh, you can't go back and design those toys Right. But I, to a certain extent, I had that opportunity. And that's that's what I definitely loved about that. It's amazing. Um, as you've been working, uh, you brought up that you kind of do your own artistic thing on the side as you are working in the toy industry. And you have had this project going on um, that has been insane to see. This six by nine book that has all these sketches in it and all these 
I don't even want to reveal what I'm talking about. Please reveal what I'm talking about. It's so <laughs> amazing. And so much work has been poured over this thing to, I think that's how I found you. You showed up on my explore page oh, and it really was just cool. those images and it was yeah. like, holy crap. So tell us about this book. Awesome. So yeah, as part of my endeavor to keep myself fresh, keep those passion projects going as an artist, it's like, I just tell my artist friends, just do what you want to do, like with your art, don't like let go of that. And and part of that, like, for me, I was, I was working on uh, TMNT, a brand that I absolutely loved as a kid. Um, one of the first brands that actually used my name in one of the character action figures, Mondo, Mondo Gecko. I was like, yeah. yes, I love this brand just because of this. But for so many other reasons, right? So the six by nine that you're talking about was a, uh, just this uh, sketchbook. So I, good. I started it off, it was a TMNT uh, retro toy sketchbook. And the idea behind it is uh, I love drawing toys. I love toys from my childhood. And what I wanted to do just for fun, like a lot of times as an artist, you don't have the energy to want to think of things mm -hmm. to draw up after you've been like thinking of all kinds of like crazy um, creative challenges at the end of the day. So I'm like, yeah, I just want to like take on something, a project that like that I, that has something that I love that still takes advantage of uh, what I enjoy doing, which is drawing that mm -hmm. gives me more opportunity to keep up my skills and um, really just like, hey, at the end of it, I could like create a fun memory, uh, whether it's just living on my Instagram post or like in a physical form, because there's so many cool things that we're able to mm. do now yeah. with with um, with printing so being so cheap, with like 3D printers, with technology all open there. So I took old um, TMNT toys, I would draw them in my style, kind of draw them in that kind of slightly the packaging art style that you'd find for the toys back then for the TMNT mm. toys. So I draw yeah. them in that style. And then I would just like um, save the video so people could see my process of drawing them. And then in the end, I made this really cool 44 page book. Um, that I would just like sell mm. to just really just fans. I would do some sketches in them as well. Yeah. It's um, so good. Holy and then moly. I just try to capture, capture really just the look and feel of that time uh, inspired by like the card backs, the collector list sheets of the figures. Yeah. And the look of the style of the sculpting, some characters you could kind of see, um, I, I pretty much in my project, I took on the first three waves of of figures. Yeah. And you could see the evolution um, as I was drawing them. I saw it more and you could kind of look at the at them now, the actual toys, how these the sculpting style with Warner yeah. Studios evolved through the lines, right? Where they were a lot more simpler at first. And then you you hit wave three and you get all these awesome like figures like Muckman and Muted Gin mm -hmm. Man that have all this gross detail, crazy, gnarly things that I love to 
uh, really draw and um, kind of really get into those like crazy nooks and crannies. Scumbug was another one I really enjoyed. Uh, really just getting in there into okay. the details. Um, and then at the end of it, it was just like I started off like I do one or two a week, maybe at most. I, I ended up with these 44 pages full for a sketchbook. It's a great memory for me that I'm able to translate into something that's physical. You get to hold, right? Because so much is online now. And it's yeah. it ends up being a little less appreciated that way because um, it's not as tangible. Um but this is just really a, I wasn't kind of like setting out to be like, like crazy, like dynamic render styles, uh, like artist guy. Really, this was just like for fans that appreciate the toys. I would draw the figures and in the exact standing poses that they would be, would be able to make, and yeah, and really just like, like even if like Splinter, like when you stand him up. It, the retro figure like looks so stiff and like weird yeah. and awkward. I just draw them that way just to capture that because that's that's how you would ex get to experience them as a toy. Oh, those are uh, so sick for for a kid. So um, so that that was really mm. what this was about. If a toy, if the character was simple, if Undercover Donnie had like gaps between the teeth because of the paint masks, wouldn't allow for them to fill that in. I would just go ahead. I'd draw it green in between there and just um, have fun with it. And then I even, like, just for fun, I do, like, Ronin. here's Mikey here, Ronin. Yeah. Right, the Ronin version and more of that, again, more of that um, old-school Playmate style with the squatted pose and and the uh, sculpted detail and the way they would probably make it back then. Um, so this was a lot of fun. I'm still drawing turtles, not as uh, often as I uh, like to, because um, it's turtles. I love the brand, yeah. but I don't want to like. I can't. I I don't want to like uh, get into selling i other other people's IP if uh, if I'm not taking extra steps to like license it all out and all that stuff. So. What's so funny is people probably just heard that long description my chime-ins of like my little words of like wow that's amazing all those things and they'll never know except right <laughs> now that it was like a reading rainbow thing of you just showing me pictures it's like <laughs> it was yeah, awesome yeah, yeah totally they'll have to check out the book i have a video there on my instagram that they'll be able to check out at dreams of robots there on instagram yeah we it's it's such a cool book because um I'm I'm fascinated by people that do art of toys. Uh and the, and to explain that a little like it's different than us all creating toy art. Um but like drawing and and painting um of toys in whatever state they're in or in packaging that kind of reminds you of that. There's something that's so good about that that you just want all of them all over your walls. I want a wallpaper of it. Like I want all kinds of stuff. Um, but it's, it's amazing to see that that book has come to life and, um, and I'm glad that you, uh, aren't selling it as much as you probably could just due to like not being caught by TMNT licensed people and, and being shut down like nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I have a passion for it, and there's like certain room within fan art that lets you do it. But yeah, I also have to invest in like my ideas and other stuff as well. And I've heard other positive stories. Um, uh, Chris, uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah, uh, everyone knows him as the Beast, right? The Beast mm-hmm. is back. Um, and that poster that I actually you could see behind me is a Star oh, Wars yeah. poster. Um, I had the opportunity to work with him uh, years ago um, for Wendy's. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an amazing experience getting to like, my idea was like getting a tap into artists, talented artists like him to like really like level up the styling of of the toys that you find in a kid's meal uh, toy. That it wasn't just a, the usual like licensor on model stuff, that it was mm-hmm. more light more stylized, more fun, unique, had that artist quality. So um, so I had been following him for years, uh, reached out to him, and he told me this great story where he was doing pretty much pretty similar fan art stuff of Star Wars until one day he got this call and yeah. it was Lucasfilm. And he's like, hello? And like freaked out. Like not knowing how this call is gonna go, like he yeah. did, like he's dropped posters and postcards, and he did all these cool things that were in his style. Uh, and the call, uh, like despite like the heart attack it might have felt as he picked it up, was like super positive. They're like, we saw the posters, we saw the postcards. We love your style, mm. Mm. and it was like what? Like he's like huh? Like, you're not, you're not yelling at me. What's going on? Yeah. But they're like, we'd love you to design a range of like pins and po- and other merch and all that stuff. And I don't know if you follow his career, but like, um, I forget what year, um, they had the, um, the star star Wars celebration mm-hmm. was here in Anaheim, California. And they featured like his, all of his merch in his style that really kind of spawned from that passion project that he had mm. in their, in their celebration store. So like, if you know this, if you've ever tried to shop that store, all that stuff immediately sells out. But mm-hmm. uh, part of the way he got that opportunity was just like dabbling in this fan art and really just like kind of putting those, those fun projects together uh, he's a he's a big toy guy as well, and like he just spawned out of that love for toys that he kind of developed that um, that that's that really that poster that art line of his, and it turned out really positive. So a lot of licensors nowadays, I think, are really open to that mm-hmm. uh, partnering. Um, but obviously, yeah, you do need to just kind of make it official. Yeah, that's so amazing. When you look over uh, your career, 16 years in the toy industry and and all the work that you've done and where uh, you are now, what is what is and what do you hope is next for you? Wow, that's 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 a deep question there. Wow, <laughs> let me let me reach down deep in here. <laughs> I want to say something like prolific there. That, yeah. Uh, Oh man, there's just um I'm really just hoping to just 
there's a lot that I love about the toy industry. And then mm. there's also things that I hate about it. Yeah. Um, as an artist designer, I really feel like um, artists, designers, creators, they don't get um, really appreciated as much mm. as they should, especially in the mass uh, toy industry. Um, but really what I hope for me is I want to just continue to evolve the different like passion projects that I have into like real things. Um, and I know it's possible, especially just with uh, advances in technology and like 3D printers being so affordable and, and really just like working with China directly, factories. Um, I've had the opportunity to do that throughout my career. So I'm able to just independently be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I, I really... Uh, look forward to the opportunity to try to be more picky about the types of projects I get to take on yeah. and really just do stuff that I'm like, that I'm passionate about, that I love, uh, work with clients that are just willing to hire me for, for like the types of projects they know that like, wow, like we've seen everything Mondo could do. And we know that we just need to hand it to Mondo and he'll like make it amazing for us. And, and uh, really create something special yeah. in the way that we want for this particular thing. We're going to him because we know we're going to get X, Y, and Z from him, right? So that that's really what I hope. And the opportunity, too, is that that split between, like, the amount of clients I have, as much as I love working with people mm -hmm. and groups, especially, like, um, just talented, creative people that um, that – uh, do things that I admire and love and I'm like whoa I wish I could do that and like I don't even want to try to touch anything like that like I'm cool not touching that I just love appreciating like really cool art or cool ideas or like awesome executions whether they're like found in a retail toy store or a specialty toy store or they're designer toys or like I'm walking down the street and someone just did a cool little like like uh, street art style like mm -hmm. found artwork. There are those things that I just like want to make sure that um, like I'm able to like collab with people like that and like create those fun experiences for other people to find, discover, and just be excited about. And so as that client list maybe like goes down my like personal projects and all those things continues to kind of like take up more of my time and I'm I'm just spending more time uh just doing like cool robots and what inspires me and maybe it's not a designer toy but it's something unique and different because I just even though I do so much toy stuff I'm still again an artist at heart and I can't help wanting to do something weird or different or out there that maybe not everyone's going to understand, but it's just like, I want to get people to think in a different way here. Yeah. That's incredible. It has been so good having you on talking about your entire process and how you got to this point. Uh, one of the last things that we have every artist do as they come on the podcast is uh, plug everything they've got going on. Uh, where we can see your work, if you take on commissions, if you collaborate, all that stuff. And so we leave the last bit just for that. So plug away all your stuff going on. Awesome. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. So I, 
I mean, the main, my main focal point, I know people love and hate Instagram at times. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I live. I post stuff, whether it gets a hundred likes or five, who knows, yeah. um, who knows what the algorithm is feeling that day. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone could figure it out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so that's mostly the the easiest way to find me at Dreams of Robots mm-hmm. on Instagram. I have a link tree in my bio there where I have other stuff, other interviews I've done or my website, my professional website that shows all the different projects I've worked on. Uh, on my Instagram, I'm, I'm constantly showing updates on new releases that I worked on or like uh, we talked about earlier, that TMNT toy uh, sketchbook, uh, yeah. six by nine, 44 pages. That's still available. I'm currently working on a Kickstarter, uh, launch that will be releasing. I'd say very soon. I kind of, I've been working on that. It's been, uh, a giant robot project. It's, uh, something, another, a passion project that's for, uh robot fans everywhere of that mm-hmm. like super robot genre uh i created a figure i know no one could see him but you'll be able to oh, see him here him. as i'm yeah. talking but i did post him on instagram his name siege fortress iron berserker oh it's so and good people ask me why why that name it's so weird and very long doesn't roll off the tongue very easily like, what's the deal, man? What are you doing? I'm like, it's from that era. It's from that time, that super robot era where you had a miracle fighting Red Baron or like super robot Mach Baron uh, or Mac Baron. You would um, get all these like wacky super robot names and mm-hmm. just all this fun, unique stuff. I, I'm slowly kind of building a story and lore behind that figure. Um, but the Kickstarter release, that'll also kind of live on Instagram there um, for the opportunity. You'll actually get to see it first here, but no one else. This oh. is actually really happening. So He's it'll so be a Kickstarter. Good. But this is actually uh, a test mold figure here. So this, if I drop this, the other one was a prototype. This isn't going to break. Um, this is his... Uh, kill mode that he's currently in but look for that kickstarter i would love for everyone to like check that out appreciate it share it with if they can't support with uh with picking one up uh because i know everyone's on a budget these days i'd love for just uh people to just share uh with friends that they know they'd be passionate about um and um i'm just excited to put it out there um and uh kind of make it a real thing since uh it's been around for a while and then uh i'm also gonna plan to be right now it's not official but Mm -hmm. i will be at decon great probably um jumping in at different booths here and there i might i'm debating whether i'll have a booth or not i might i just might have a booth there as well so you might be able to find me at uh decon whether it's at a booth or just uh, jumping around part of um, this figure with this uh, super robot that I'm making here, this vinyl art toy. Mm -hmm. Um, Excuse me. I'm collaborating with um, the guys at Last Bastion Studios. Yeah. Make that happen. So 
Um, so you'll probably see those guys sharing more as more of this stuff. Uh, uh, sees the light of day as I release that Kickstarter. Awesome. Uh, when the Kickstarter does release, come back, we'll create an ad or something that Toys on Tap can run. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, during the course of it. Uh, however, we can help any artist that has come on the podcast. We're always game for. So send us graphics and we'll get it posted throughout the weeks and stuff. Awesome, man. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, dude, thank you again so much for coming on and uh, taking the time. I know we've had some schedule stuff, but we made it work and it means the world. Yeah, no worries, man. I love talking toys. So it's always a good time when you're doing that.